Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. What are we doing here? A couple of weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail inviting me to a no-strings-attached sexual encounter in a hotel room. It's pretty card, looked official. I don't know. I was stupid. I went. What? Dude, this is nuts. I'd wear a blindfold. But the woman... <laughs> I can't even tell you. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? Hold on. Wait, this is really happening? You really did this? In this climate? Honey, is anything going on? We're getting married in like six weeks. If anything was going on, I'd let you know. Now I'm suspicious of everyone. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's my wife. People are so terrified of stepping out of line. Consequences? Won't go away anymore. Come on. Jacqueline, was I taken off of the email chain with Marvel? This is a failure. I can't use the language that I'd like to use to you right now because of the new direction that the agency and the country is going. I'm fine. Everything's great with me. This isn't a midlife crisis. I'll let you know when I'm having one of those. <laughs> hey, Jacqueline, perfect timing. So how are you gonna come in tomorrow? Let's call today a wash, okay? How are you gonna look tomorrow when you come in? How are you gonna convince me today that you're better at your job tomorrow? Jacqueline. I think maybe now is a good time we all take a break and, and reassess what it is we're doing here. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 385. Releasing November 5 on digital and video on demand is The Beta Test, a dark comedy thriller that tells the story of a Hollywood agent who, after an anonymous sexual encounter, becomes ensnared in a sinister world of lying, infidelity, and digital data. A biting satire dripping in paranoia and clear in its targets, the beta test is also one of the most original, thought-provoking, and entertaining films of the year. And joining me now are the directors, writers, and stars of the beta test, Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe. Jim and PJ, I thank you both very much for your time today. I'm now so embarrassed after that introduction. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for having us. I'm glad you love the movie. Yeah, thank you. That was the coolest <laughs> way anyone's ever introduced it. So thank you. That was an awesome, awesome write-up. I appreciate that. Well, I do love the movie very much. Now I could I've watched so many films per week, and it's so great to watch a movie like this. And Jim, I'm such a big fan of your films. We just actually watched the um, um one of your movies just for Halloween not that long ago, actually. Um, I can so, imagine, yeah. Yeah, but we just absolutely, I just absolutely love your films. And watching this one, especially doing a deep dive into research. So the origins of this film came down to like a, a hypothetical question, Jim, that you had for PJ, which is what would you do if you received an anonymous letter for a, like an anonymous sexual encounter? And so, you know, this 
hypothetical question is posed to PJ. You guys discuss it. How do these discussions kind of form themselves into a script? Is this something that you guys usually do? Do you bring up kind of ideas and it kind of kind of goes into like, you know, kind of start off like a, a recipe and at the end of it, you have like a meal ready to be served. Is that how it kind of comes about? Yeah, it's a bit like that of like, you, we have we have the meat product, we know what the protein is going to be for the meal. And then we think about all the other ingredients and how you make that perfect for, you know, digestion. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really have a perfect answer for that. It's always different. Like, for this one, the crux of the idea was the letter service. And then it became about lying and cheating, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, what the letter service is all about. And then the WGA fight was happening with agencies. And we realized if you're making a movie about liars and cheaters, it should be set in a talent agency, which is ground zero for the subjects. And then um, everything kind of came through perfectly through the research of these guys being super stressed about their value and power in the world. Now that there are real social networks, agencies are having much and much less utility and then big data and how a rogue agent could uh, use the internet to completely derail an industry um, or someone's life. Uh, and it was just very easy for us to write the thing. We did a bunch of research. We got to pretend to be investigative journalists a bit to research agencies and how they think and how they um, talk. Uh, but no, it's long form conversations, probably hundreds of them between PJ and me. And it's us making each other laugh and then writing down notes in a Google doc. Mm -hmm. And then we, after months and months and months of talking about the film, uh, once we realize that it's bulletproof, it's something that we are certain could be a great movie, we sit down and transcribe it to screenplay format. And then that is just us acting out every scene and doing it out loud and writing down the best stuff. Yeah, I feel like we have thousands of different movie ideas. I mean, every time we hang out, there's like 10 different movie ideas kicking around. But it's really when we find one where there's a world that we really want to live in and it's making us laugh a lot, I think that's when we're like, all right, this one's maybe worth starting to like jot notes down and maybe start constructing a narrative around. And then it just kind of balloons from there. It is funny looking back, like hearing you read the synopsis of this film. It's like, it is amazing to see what it's snowballed into. And yeah, it just kind of, yeah, you find one that you latch onto and you run with it. PJ, you know, we're talking about, you know, a specific world here in Hollywood, especially talent agencies. You and Jim spoke to assistants and managers that used to work in talent agencies or, or still are working there. Um, and it is it's quite extensive research. I think it's like from what I read, like a year and a half worth of stuff you guys put into it. How does talking to these people and their experiences kind of shape your script? Is there kind of like things verbatim from their discussions actually show up in your movie? Is there things that could that were so outlandish uh, that you couldn't show up in your movie because, you know, as people say, sometimes the strangest things in life, the truest things in life, you know, things like that can happen. Oh, yeah. There were, there were things we used verbatim. Uh, the, one of the Jacqueline scenes uh, where Jordan is just reprimanding her was verbatim from a conversation that was overheard. And there were a lot of stuff that we didn't put in. Honestly, I, I looking back now, I feel like it was pretty tame. Like we kind of like held back on a lot of the stuff because a lot of things it would seem so unbelievable. People would probably think we made it up. Like we were just doing it for shock effect for the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could have gone full Wolf of Wall Street with the chaos and the sex and the drugs in the office, but really just kept it more to just kind of the sad, like loser aspect of just like mean people in the office, which is just as terrifying and, and sad to see. Um, but we could have gone a lot further with a lot of the stuff that we know goes on. 
Jim, I've heard you describe the film as as genre fluid, and I think that's a really kind of a specific way to, to look at the movie. I think a lot of your films have that towards it. It's not really pigeonholed into one thing. There's a lot of different things happening there. Um, but when it comes to this movie itself, was the intention always to kind of make a satire of all of this stuff? Um, or were some of these real-life situations so over the top, just they just lends itself to be satire? Because from what I read, you guys were looking specifically more like a horror thriller, kind of like straight ahead kind of thing. But I'm sure the scenarios you were presented with was like you can't help but poke and make fun of all these scenarios that were presented to you. Yeah, I mean... It, it was great to do both. So, I mean, anything that PG and I are going to do is going to be funny. Like we're both idiots. And so it's, <laughs> it's got to have comedy to it. Um, we always say, if you don't make jokes throughout your movies, your audiences will. Um, and that's been true for us. I mean, most of the time when we're watching something boring, we'll make jokes throughout the movie and it's more interesting than watching the movie. Um, and so our job is to make the film as compelling and fulfilling for audiences, um, cinephiles as possible. Um, so I think that's the through line, although it is genre fluid, the majority of my films, it's just incorporating comedy into films that normally wouldn't have comedy. It's a surprise that there's jokes or satire and thing. Um, but then I had this ax to grind against Hollywood. I've been an independent filmmaker for 10 years now, 12 years mm -hmm. now. And, um, you know, it's kind of the job of the independent filmmaker to make fun of the power dynamics and the structures that uh, keep independent film from getting made. And um, it's awful. It is a really terrible racketeering organization that is ensuring that expensive, terrible shit gets made and the money stays out of the pockets of independent filmmakers. Um, so I really wanted to make a satire about that and insult the people who have never been insulted before um, to make those people feel inadequate in a way that they make their clients feel every day. Um, and I thought that was important. Like, and as an independent filmmaker kind of realized in writing the project that we were great candidates to be able to say that stuff. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. You know, PJ, this is a true, like, independent film, as Jim was saying. 17-day shoot is from what, what I read of it as well. Um, shot outside the Hollywood system. Um, is it true that you guys shot this in secret as well? Uh, is that accurate? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we shot it very secretly, just like a very small cast and crew, mostly a lot of friends and people we really trusted. Um, and then, yeah, edited all in Jim's garage right there. I mean, Jim was the only one who touched anything post-production uh, for the most part. So, and all through the pandemic, I mean, had a lot of time to just perfect it. And Jim was just a madman in the edit for over a year uh, putting this together uh, secretly. I mean, no one, hardly anyone saw cuts, really just our producers and me. We didn't um, send the script to anybody. Yeah, like, nobody, nobody had any idea about this. They, you know, they like knew it, it existed, but they didn't really know much about it. And I, I'm, yeah, it really crazy that we were able to keep it under wraps for so long. I, I think it was really important because it's harder to attack a film once it's already being appreciated by audiences. Like if we had tried to get financing in Hollywood to make this thing, it would have taken a hundred years and it never would have happened mm-hmm. because we're insulting the system. And so we knew that going in, that it was going to be this, you know, powder keg that we were sneaking into the garage of the agency world to blow up the building. Um, and we knew that it would take us being very quiet about it until it came out because if people are loving it, you know, you got to get on stage to make fun of the people um, and then they have to laugh it off and shrug, you know, but if you're making fun of someone and you're not on the stage yet, you get kicked out of the club. So it was very important for us to finish the thing and make it perfect before um, any criticism of the film was, was available from the agency world. Jim, as I said, I've, I've watched all your, all your films and, um, you know, when it comes to the characters that you play in these films, I like to, these three films of yours I've seen, I'd like to unofficially call them the Desperate Man trilogy um, because, huh. you know, you portray these guys kind of like on the verge of kind of like insanity. There are situations that are in the distress levels just go right up and there's just one more little thing that's going to come and will push them right over the edge, but it kind of just managed to kind of come back off the edge of that mountain there. When it comes to portraying men like that, what is it about that characteristic in these characters that really kind of speak to you, not only as a filmmaker, but as a performer as well? I mean, it's very difficult to do. It's a tightrope. Um, but, you know, I grew up watching Pacino and De Niro and Joe Pesci and uh, DiCaprio, all the does. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it, was, it was great. And, like, I, I always wanted to do that. Um, and I knew what good acting looked like, Michael Shannon as well. Uh, there's a lot of shouting. And I, I just find internet videos of people, you know, freaking out and quitting their jobs or Karen videos. I find them to be very objectively interesting. And I'm not a trained actor, but I had early successes doing short films where, that I would act in, like the Thunder Road short, where I would just humiliate myself. And it was such a great audience pleaser because the audience could feel... Uh, more powerful than a guy in a policeman's uniform and um, and also have the medicine that goes down with the sugar of, uh, of, you know, thinking about grief and mortality and life and love and legacy. So I realized I was able to do the sleight of hand stuff well. Um, and if I was still acting in it, it would have to be a guy. Uh, and anytime, I mean, I made short films that have lead actresses and they're going through hell as well. My short film, The Robbery, is that. But I just find those stories to be so interesting because it speaks to this base human um, feeling that everybody's going through of I'm not going to take the shit anymore. And my boss is an idiot and I've been putting up with this bullshit for too long. I think everybody can relate to that. AJ, if you would ever do any merch uh, for this movie for the beta test, I want to see a shirt that says, there he is, with an exclamation mark (laughs) on there. Um, it's really interesting just that the use of kind of like 
facade in this movie in regards to this man's identity, what he represents himself to be, what he truly is, which I don't really think he even knows what that is as yet, um, watching, even at the end of the movie. What is it about that facade in regards to, to men, especially like Jordan in that profession that kind of just is just there? Isn't just a thing of just, you know, they're so good at representing others but are just poor at representing themselves? Yeah, it just seems exhausting i mean there's a part of me that feels bad for these guys because it's just like it's you're just yeah you're just this empty suit i mean and it's not just i mean that's a lot of this a lot of different industries and this this corporate world that people are forced to live in where you kind of like your identity is just kind of your job and that's it and you don't really know who you really are anymore uh and and yeah and just the corporate double speak was so funny to us i mean like we all deal with this uh let's keep talking you know and uh we're all excited and it doesn't mean anything it's just like bullshit we say to each other to just kind of like you know fill dead air but like nothing ever gets done and that was funny to us so like we like wanted to poke fun at the fact that these people you know just kind of don't really have an an identity and <laughs> Just kind of sad for it and as shitty yeah. as jordan is you kind of feel bad for him yeah <laughs> like i think i think everybody really said there's that um jean paul sartre quote he says there's no such thing as a waiter there's only someone pretending to be a waiter mm-hmm. um and i find that to be very true across industries this one is the most pathetic because it's the job is to be a dickhead and so um i don't know why people continue to do it it just seems like a nightmare thing to do. I like, I guess there's some power involved, but I guess the point is like, they don't really have power anymore. So like, what, what do you, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a weird place to be. Uh, and that's a lot of jobs, I think, not just agents. Oh yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of kind of positions and companies that can really industry, sorry, uh, that where you can find people like that. Um, my final question here, um, Jim, you know, I just want to quote uh, a line from the film, which is, um, it goes something like, um, uh, people in the dark who, who will do anything they can to to corrupt this. And I think it's, it's clearly in reference to, uh, not to give away too much in regards to the plot of the film, but like the internet and the, the impact that it can have on relationships and people's lives. You know, you yourself, Jim, when it comes to the use of social media, and I find you to be an incredibly effective communicator on there. You use the platforms really well. Um, so, but when it comes to a quote like that, is that on your part kind of like a love-hate kind of relationship in regards to, the whole aspect of the internet because there's another quote you have in a film when you're at the end of the movie when you're desperate and you're yeah your last kind of like last puffs where you're just like i want to go back to before the 2000s and i remember those times before when all this shit was all around me right and this is cool that we're talking to each other for zoom but there's a little spark of me just like man i just i remember today you know <laughs> yeah, there's a quote. Yeah. Right before I say that, I say I fucking hate the internet, and it's yeah. really funny. It's like this agent who is like just pining for the old days when he was in the fraternity house watching Entourage and like thinking that that was a cool job to pursue, never thinking that the future would come and decimate that industry. Um, but yeah, no, I I I really think that those lines at the end of the film, Caroline's lines of um, "There are people out there in the dark that'll come and get you," um, was just supposed to be this spooky, um, I guess, like moral of the story. Caroline comes in and she's this oracle who can see all and understand human behavior and human nature. Um, But then also it's a cautionary tale against people like us. Like we open the film with a Swedish murderer and the Swedish guy says, uh, you can't let termites into the house because even if one of them gets in, they'll, you know, corrupt the whole system. And we're talking about us as creators, people who are filmmakers who are making movies without the Hollywood system. We're the termites. We are Johnny PayPal. We're the bad guy in the movie who's operating in their basement 
making stuff that completely changes the way that an industry will work. Um, that's not lost on us. And that was actually part of the, the DNA of the project was to um, talk about that while we were doing it. Well, I'm just going to say um, the movie begins with a murder, but it ends with an act of forgiveness. And I think that's really something important people need to, need to realize. And I think it's a lesson that people need to learn, especially in how to conduct themselves online. And the beta test is just a great film that kind of represents that and it does it in such a terrific way. And for everyone out there listening, November 5, digital and video on demand, the beta test, watch it. I'm, I guarantee you're going to watch one of the most entertaining, unique films of the year. I get films sent to me all the time to watch a movie like this is just a, it kind of puts a fire in me as you can tell in that discussion well, and then Jim and PJ I thank you both very much for your time today and hopefully uh, I know you guys are working like in a Victorian like a set horror movie next hopefully yeah. when that comes out we can talk again and until then best of luck with the release of beta test and thank you again for your time Matt thank you so much for having us man it's our pleasure yeah it was a pleasure thank you really appreciate it <laughs>